The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Yes, add you're ready. ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello, Internet, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts Podcast. We are full bore into our world's preview podcast. We've done uh, eight teams at this point. We've covered groups A and B, and now we're getting into the nitty-gritty here in group C, which, as I hinted on the last couple of episodes of, of Group B, I am very excited for this group because there is a particular player that Chase has to cover that can't, he has to say nice things about. Can't imagine who Chase, this is. Can't imagine. Chase, I do mean my very good friend, Chase, Redshirt King Wassener. Chase... I always want to say the Red Shirt King, but that's not actually your name. It's fine. You can call so, me King, call me Demon, call me whatever. Like I'll I'll take whatever titles you want to bestow upon me. That's a uh, you know I gladly I'll gla- take whatever I get, man. But you know what? Well, I agree with you. There's a player that I think both you know you've been wanting to talk about for a very long time. I you know I have finally embraced it. Let's go to you Yankos, had- right? Let's go Yankos. Five minutes. Let's do it. That's what you wanted, right? No. No, no, no. You haven't <laughs> embraced our Lord and Savior, the one true light, forgiven. Okay. You really that's, haven't? That's Fine. what you meant. Oh, sorry. I, I got it confused. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm not going to talk about some rocket, like, you know, <laughs> secondhand, you know, hand-me-down type player. Like, come on. I'm going to talk about forgiving I'm going to ignore that for the purposes of continuing this podcast. Uh <laughs> Let's talk about Forgiven. I mean, this is something that is a very important part of how H2K got here. This is a team that struggled mightily in the regular season. They were dropping ranks like crazy towards the end of the summer split. They were having terrible losses. Freeze's tendonitis was clearly getting worse, and the medical condition was getting so bad that they felt the need to announce it to the public. And, you know, it was one of those Loki moments where you could just imagine Forgiven being in his chair, getting ready to go into the Greek military service and seeing the H2K guys wake up and him saying, well, you must be truly desperate to come to me for help. And then probably taking a shot of Uzo and smashing a cup on his way out the door (laughs) just to show how serious he was that he was going to take over. Like, that's just how I imagine all Greek people handle business. Please, Greek listeners at home, let me know. I'm glad you know the Greek drink of choice. I like, do. That man. actually impresses me. I'm pretty impressed by that. I, I do what I can, man. I, I love Greek people. I love uh, – I can go on. But I'm going to focus on the one Greek person that we need to talk about, which is Forgiven. And what's interesting to me about Forgiven is that this is a guy that's gotten so much attention since he's come back. 
Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've been winning a lot more since he's come back. They went 4-0 and in their last week of the regular season. They made it all the way to the semifinals at Worlds, where they came very close in a series against Splice. It was a, a 3-2 loss there. Uh, and then they won the 3-1 for third place match over the Unicorns of Love. They automatically qualified for this Worlds tournament. And a lot of people will point to it and say, that team without Freeze probably doesn't do that. But... I do think that we need to slow our role here when we talk about forgiven and in the God-given terms that we used to use. Who are the champions on which he excelled in the playoffs? He played Sivir four times. He played Ash four times. He played Lucian and Tristana twice. And uh, both of those were against teams that probably weren't the same caliber bot lane as when you saw him bringing out the Ash and the Sivir. Uh, of those, only his Sivir was particularly good. His Ash had a 2.78 KDA and was 1 in 3. So why did he work out? Well, it was when he was taking things like Sivir, he was adding utility to the team. This is something, the idea of Forgiven playing Sivir was something that was almost unheard of in the days where it was the God-given carrying games week in and week out, and you must fear his bot lane and he will do whatever it takes in order to get the team going. And to a certain extent, you can see that some old habits die hard. His kill participation was just under 67%, by far the lowest of the team. So he's still not quite there as far as rotating around and, and, and sacrificing some of his more aggressive tendencies. But he is willing to play champions with actual utility behind them. He is willing to play a more secondary role, use those ricochets from the Sivir to get all those massive crits, try to hit those Ash Arrows and initiate fights that way. In none of those games was he the problem. And that, to me, is the biggest difference between him and Freeze. There were games where they would lose the bot lane and Vander would look lost, and Freeze just didn't have the mechanics to get an outplay or to force pressure on the lane the way they needed to, which put so much more pressure on Ryu and Oduamne, two guys that really don't like having the early game focused around them. They like to lane slowly. Most of the time, they operate at either a CS loss in the case of Oduamne because he just likes to be left alone, or Ryu takes a very small CS lead because they try to you know, gank his way by letting the enemy laner come in and push into him super hard, giving Yankos a very easy first blood target. He is the first blood, he is the first blood prince after all. Excuse me there. But Forgiven had to do one thing, which is fit in with this team. Now, to me, he is the most interesting question mark surrounding any of the teams that we're going to talk about in this tournament because I have no idea which version of him is going to come up. I really don't. I don't know if he's going to go back to hard carry form because he's actually going to have played the game within two weeks of being brought onto the roster instead of before when apparently he was playing Overwatch up to and including week eight of the LCS season before they came and asked him Oops. to play for him. Like, now he's had time to play the game. Now he's had time to adjust to these metas. And these are metas in which the old school Forgiven could thrive. But that's also been when Forgiven has struggled the most historically. When Forgiven can be in this super hard carry role and he forgets that to win, you have to win as a team. It's a five-man objective that you need to hit. So 
Honestly, I have no idea which version of Forgiven we're going to see and how they're going to utilize him. But if he and the team both understand how his playing Sivir and even things like Ash, even though the win rate wasn't particularly great, how that enabled the rest of the team to do what they want to do, that's how they get out of this group stage. And it's going to come down to what have they decided, how is Prawley going to use him, and where is he on a mechanical level because the mechanical version of what we saw Forgiven there was not the guy that we saw in earlier splits. It was clear that there was rust. Now there's no excuse for there to be. Now I have no idea what his power level is. I do not have well, the Super Saiyan reader that, uh, that Vegeta <laughs> has to tell you exactly where his power level is. So Well, I, I've used my Super Saiyan reader that is known as the r slash League of Legends Reddit and the clips that have been slowly sort of trickling out the actual real like stream clips not the we hacked into somebody's personal account and stole all these scrim results and Mm -hmm. stole all this personal information and probably belong in prison but no the clips that like people take off of streams and off of the you know the tracking the pro site where you you know you go through op.gg and spectate games that way and there have been a couple of plays involving forgiven where I think his mechanics are just fine. There's one play in particular where he three like one v threes as Ezreal in the bot lane. Mm-hmm. That is just mm, that is his signature forgiven. And again, Sivir, Ash, yeah, look, Ezreal. Look, he's playing. These are more, not champions. He's definitely adding these are, some these versatility. Are not champions. Yeah, but let's also remember that. When we look at solo queue and scrimmages as the marker of whether a team is good or not, there are a lot of tournaments that would have ended very differently. I want to see how he applies that on the big stage when he's going to be in a group that has the best AD carry in the world and a team that loves to have a roaming mid laner and also a very mechanically solid bot lane that wants to pick on him time and time and time again. Oh, and also the best... Uh, one, of, one of the better uh, AD carries in Brazil. Not that anyone's going to give him credit for that, but we'll get there at a later point in time. So, <laughs> But, you know, there are other players on this team, and I do want to talk about them Absolutely. as well. So, I mean, I mean, I think that the elephant in the room that none of the H2K fans want to talk about is that Yankos and Vander have never really excelled when it matters most. As a Rocket fan... I can point to the fact that in their two years there, each time we came within one game of more than likely qualifying for Worlds, we could have been uh, Fnatic, I believe it was, in Season 4 in a best of five. It came to a game five. We lost it. Uh, And then we had Orihan in Season 5 where we could have won that. We would have played the Unicorns of Love. That wouldn't have guaranteed us a spot, but the Unicorns of Love did look like crap at the time. I feel pretty good about what our odds would have been there. They have faded in certain situations, especially when things get hard. Now, the good news is that Yankos in these playoffs looked the best that he ever has in the playoffs. His kill participation was nearly 80%. Uh, He -hmm. was getting a lot of the first bloods. Even in games they were losing, he was moving all over the map and initiating those kinds of plays. Uh, And his warding has significantly increased. I think he and Vander both did a very good job of making sure that not only were they getting vision, but they cleared vision at a rate that is more efficient than some of the other teams we're going to talk about in this group, even good teams that we're going to talk about in this group. So certainly they have shown that they can perform on a big stage, 
but can they perform on this stage? When everything, you know, push comes to shove and the pressure's on and some bad things happen early because that's what AHQ and EDG like to do. They like to come at you early and often. Is this a team that's going to be able to come back mentally when they're down two kills? Is this a team that's going to be able to come back mentally if they lose that first tower and they're down a couple thousand gold? That's my biggest concern for them because in the playoffs, when they fell behind, it was basically game over. When they beat Fnatic and when they beat the Unicorns of Love, they were almost never behind in those games. In the games they lost to Splice, it usually correlated to an early game loss, and they have a very hard time playing from behind. And some of that's the passiveness of Oduamne. Some of that's the passiveness of Ryu as an individual, and Ryu also had some weird mechanical things on a couple champions here and there. But I think there's also just something about this team where I just wonder if there's that that ticking time bomb we need to be aware of if things start turning the other direction. I, I think that's absolutely true. I think one of the big things that we do have to kind of point out here is that in terms of world's experience, it's 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 lacking quite a bit. Three players have never been on the world stage. You're, you're two Rocket fans, which, guys, the only way Rocket's going to make worlds is when Chase brings them up in a world preview show. <laughs> so... <laughs> There's, there's a little dig there. Uh, Forgiven and Freeze, neither of them have, have made Worlds. And, and Forgiven is probably the one that we more we care about more. We want to see him on an international stage, which we've very, very few times that we've ever gotten to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Ryu and Oduwamne is is really sort of limited to that you know one group stage last year where they were placed into a group with EDG and SKT, and it, it wasn't very close. Uh, you talk a lot about how it does seem like when they, they fall behind, they have some issues. But I actually want to focus on what we saw during the playoffs, which mm-hmm. was a, a seeming a shift, essentially, in where their priorities lied up into the top lane Yes, with Odawamne. So why, why did they make this shift? Outside, just the meta was kind of going there. Why did they make this shift, and why were they moderately successful with it, I I guess, since they took third place? Yeah, no, I I think that's a very important thing to note. And some of that's obviously going to come down to the opponents they played. Uh, When you look at Fnatic, were you really afraid of Gamsu at that point? No, absolutely not. Uh, When you're looking at Unicorns of Love, can you overpower Vizichachi? Yes, he will make some mistakes there. Uh, Wonder, I think that was maybe a lot harder for them, and those are the games in which they struggled most, just because the Mm -hmm. Wonder Trashy 2v2 was the one of those three that really went against them as far as who was the stronger 2v2. But I I think you're absolutely right to point it out, and a lot of it just comes to the consistency of Oduamne and the champions that he was you know, excelling at at the time. This is a guy who can play a Shen, play someone with a global pressure very well, and can use teleports in order to go in and really make a mess of the enemy situation. And when you have someone that can go in and just, you know, get the taunt down, get, you know, soak up all this damage and let your carries carry, life becomes a lot easier for you. And that's what he went for. He went for the Shen. He went for things like Gangplank, where he can just farm up and have that global presence with the ultimate there. He went for Echo, which, you know, at least has some aggression and some dueling power in lane. But that's that's what he went for. He went for things where he could help his team across the map. And to get all of those champions to the point where they're useful, 
you have to give them resources. Echo without resources is useless. He needs the Iceborne Gauntlet in order to be as effective as he's going to be. Shen needs some items before he's tanky enough that you can send him in, get the taunt, and you're going to win a teamfight off of it. Gangplank takes time to stack up all those parlay stacks and get the amount of gold that are needed to really have him be in the best position possible. And they recognize that. They recognize that even despite picking champions that sometimes would have losing lanes, he was still managing to keep a CS difference, and they allowed Yankos to pick up on some of these things and take advantage of top laners that were thinking they could take advantage of Oduwamne. There is a difference between passiveness and luring someone into a trap, and when you look at either Ryu or Oduwamne, I think that that's something that both of them, as veterans of the game, have proven to be capable of, when they do it correctly, when they secede too much, that's when you start seeing them falling behind and that's when you see them really struggling. I think the Gangplank in particular, the two losses on there were very exemplary of this, where he was willing to take those losses because, oh, it's fine. I can give up the tower. I'll farm up late. I can give up this fight here. I can use my ult here suboptimally. You know, I can do all these things. And then it was too late by the time he realized that that wasn't the way things needed to go. But I think that is the way they are going to continue to play, especially because of where the meta is. Um, Vladimir obviously isn't going to be played nearly as much, and that was Ryu's favorite go-to champion. But we also saw he played a damn good Talia, and Talia is going to matter. Roaming champions are absolutely going to be relevant here. And as long as you have roaming mid laners, where are they going to roam? Well, they're either roaming bot... And as we've said, Forgiven right now is playing the kinds of champions that don't necessarily need to be bully laners all the time, or more than likely, they're going to try for a 3v3 or a 3v2 if they can get the teleport slash globals advantage in either the top or mid lane and take advantage of that with the aggressiveness that Yankos brings. The key to their success or their failure is going to be whether those plays are successful and Against Edward Gaming, that's going to be very tough because it requires them to get to a certain point. With AHQ, it's just going to be a matter of being smarter than them. And as much as I love the LMS, and we will get to them very soon, trust me, (laughs) I can't wait to talk about it. We will. This is a team that can be outsmarted. When I talked about Flash Wolves, I pointed out that AHQ, you know, it it was the... A uh, good old DJ Khaled mean they played themselves a couple times. And H2K, they've got Prawley at the helm. They can do the same thing. That's going to be what determines, in my mind, whether or not H2K gets out of this group, is how they handle that aggression and whether they can turn those roams and turn that focus onto their solo laners into a productive, strong early game presence that then snowballs into a victory. So you, you just gave them the path. Mm-hmm. to make it out of the group. You gave him the blueprint. You gave him, you know, Chase's keys to the game presented mm-hmm. by Lowe's. But here is the million-dollar question that we basically asked on every single one of these shows so far. Mm-hmm. Do they make it out of this group? I think there's a 45% chance they make it out of this group. 45% chance. I think okay. that this what, is... What a, makes you say I think it's a very... Powerful team on paper. I think a lot of these pieces can come together well. 
I think that if everything works right for this team, you're seeing Yankos getting a first blood, you're seeing Oduamne bullying out his lane, you're seeing Ryu farming happily until the roams start to come in, you're seeing Forgiven using either utility AD carries or having enough of a laning presence on something like a Lucian. You know, if anyone can pull off those power carries, it's going to be him, especially given how much he's been practicing over the last month. I'm never going to wipe him off the table. If all of these things go well, this could be a powerful team. On the other hand, we have three guys on this team who have never made it to Worlds. And when you ask, why haven't they made it to Worlds? You can point to Yankos has choked in big situations. Vander has choked in big situations. Forgiven has attacked his team and ignored their calls and been a whole bunch of other things that people have you know pointed out over the years. When he struggles, he tunes everyone else out and he tries to win single-handedly. That's just his instinct, and that will be punished severely if that happens. And Oduamne, honestly, as well, we can point to moments where he's fallen off in big moments, even though he has at least had one world's experience. So if everything breaks right, I think this team is a, has a great chance to succeed. Uh, my worry is when they play three games in one day, what happens if game one goes poorly? Do they mentally recover in time? Do they have the ability as a team to have that resilience when we haven't seen them on this big of a stage before and the stages we have seen them on, they haven't always been the team that they could live up to. That's why I'm not willing to go higher than 45%. I think they are on paper a more talented team than AHQ, but as the great Ben Yahtzee Croshaw once said, paper is a flimsy thing that turns clear when you rub grease on it. And I'm not (laughs) sure how well H2K will hold up to the grease that is this world's tournament. The zero punctuation reference. I, dude, I like I, it. Fun fact, I used that quote in my thesis when I got my master's at St. Andrews. I actually quoted zero punctuation in there a graduate thesis. Probably explains why I didn't do very well on it. But that's 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 a story <laughs> for another day. It went over their heads. It's all right. Well, you know, hopefully this podcast hasn't gone over your heads and you all have properly, you know, gotten your rosaries and everything ready because our Lord and Savior forgiven. He he is not kind to disbelievers. But hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. Chase says 45% chance. I'm a little higher on H2K, but I'm also a huge forgiven fanboy. But... If you like this episode of the podcast and you want to go listen to the rest of our stuff, like I said at the beginning, we've already done groups A and B. They're already up on our YouTube. Just look at up Rough Drafts Podcast or on SoundCloud and iTunes. Again, just look up Esports Rough Drafts. And as always, you can tell us why we're totally wrong about any of our predictions over at the Rough Drafts Podcast Twitter page. It is at rough drafts pod and you can also tweet out at us i am at c80s underscore lol chase the non-believer where can they find you i'm a non-believer at 45 percent. I, I i love just the the fan vitriol here i it, i'm gonna you know keep all of your hatred h2k <laughs> fans if you believe i was too harsh on you guys at redshirt king and, and let's be clear here i hope that h2k lives up to the hype I hope that they keep things mentally sound. We've just got some history that says that maybe they won't and maybe we should hold back on all these people who are saying that AHQ and Westor are saying that they're going to make it out is the craziest, dumbest thing they've ever heard. Maybe we can take that back a step. 
And I'm going to explain why on the next podcast. Yeah, I think it's time for us to step over the threshold of the Western Door and talk about what are the beasts from the LMS region. Come back next time when we discuss AHQ. Until then, goodbye, Internet.